Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Today's reading is the letter of Paul to the Colossians, the supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him, in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Good morning. How are you? Really? How are, how are you? No response? That's how this is going to be today? Really? How are you? Okay. Uh, my name is Brittany, and uh, I serve as the pastor here. And um, we are in this sermon series on bodies. And uh, today we're going to talk about, if you saw, the, the scripture was about Christ. And so that got me thinking, uh, and I'm going to give you all a little pop quiz. So I hope you've had your coffee. Uh, We've just got one question. What is the difference between Jesus and Christ? So answer one, or I'm sorry, is there a difference? Answer one, yes, there is a difference. Answer two, no, there is no difference. Answer three, it's not something that keeps me awake at night, and so I've never thought to wonder. So... How many of you would say, yes, there is a difference between Jesus and Christ? Okay. Um, How many of you would say, no, there is no difference between Jesus and Christ? Okay. And how many of you would say, I, yeah, I haven't had my coffee yet? Okay. It's kind of like a divided house. I would say it was about a third, a third, a third. Are you ready for the answer? Okay. If you know the answer, shout it out. Yes. Yes. These were the people that were in the band last service, and so they're, they know the answer. Yes, there is a difference. Don't worry, there's no quiz at the end, so you know the answer. You can zone out the rest of the time, or you can listen to why there is a difference. Yes, there is a difference between Jesus and Christ. Jesus is God incarnate in the body. That's why I wanted to start with Jesus today, because we're doing a sermon series on our bodies and our faith, right? So Jesus is... 
God made incarnate in a human body that walked on this earth. He, you know, probably had a cold at one time when he was young and was a snotty-nosed kid. He um, probably stubbed his toe at one time or another and yelled out some explicitive in Hebrew. I don't know what that would be. He uh, went through puberty and all the uncomfortableness that happens in your body in the midst of that. He had calluses on his hands from the work that he did. He also, and probably didn't want to admit it, but he also needed eight hours of sleep a night, like you and I. And there were probably times when he didn't get it, like you and I, and was grouchy afterwards. He also probably had low blood sugar at one time or another because he hadn't eaten and took it out on his disciple friends. Can I get an amen? (laughs) He also experienced that ache in your belly that we call fight, flight, or freeze when his friends betrayed him. He bled when he was nailed to a cross and died, Jesus lived in a human body. He was like you and I, fully made of flesh and sinew and bone. Jesus was a human. And and when we think about this, like we talk about this at Christmas a lot, right? God made flesh, Emmanuel, God with one of us. When we think about this, it has profound implications for how we live our life in our human body. What it means to be a person with flesh and bone and sinew just like Jesus. It it's kind of inspiring, right? Like, so earlier this week, um, I, I had a significant birthday. And uh, yes, thank you very much. I use facial cream, so that. Um, I had a significant birthday, and my college roommates, who are all younger than me, I don't know if it was a care package of love or of, um, haha, you're 40 and we're not. Um, but they sent me this care package of love uh, with all sorts of little fun things in it. And one of the things was a to-go mug, a traveler mug, that said on it, they know me so well, I need a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And I think that for us, Jesus is a reminder of what it means to be human. And we all need a whole lot of Jesus in our life to remember how to be human. That's why we read scripture, we read the gospels, and we see the the things that Jesus did in his body, and we say that we are followers of Jesus, and we want to do those things too. We want to be like Jesus. We need a whole lot of Jesus, right? Christ, though, is not just a last name for Jesus. How many of you thought it was just his last name, really? Uh, Christ is a title. It's a... Christ is the Greek word for uh, the Messiah. Uh, It's a Greek translation for the Hebrew word Messiah, which is um, was was a title. It was about who. uh, It was about waiting for the Anointed One, 
It's another translation, the anointed one that would uh, release the captives and um, recovery of sight to the blind. You know, you know all those words that we read at uh, Christmas time and in Advent and preparation. Christ is bigger than a human body. So, and, and the Christians knew this because eventually they started being known as Christians, right? Christ followers. They knew that, they, that Jesus and resurrected as Christ was something bigger than, than just a human body. Otherwise, they would have been called Jesusans, right? Instead of Christians. But they claimed the word Christ because they knew that God was up to something cosmic, huge. Father Richard Rohr, uh, one of my favorite uh, theologians, says it this way. Jesus is the union of human and divine in space and time, right? He, he um, lived 2,000 years ago, the union of human and divine in a particular space and time. And the Christ is the eternal union of matter and spirit from the beginning of time. We heard that in the scripture passage today, right? Christ from the beginning of time was present. He goes on to say, the risen Christ is Jesus, but also much bigger and beyond Jesus's individual form and lifetime. The risen Christ is Jesus released from all space and time restrictions. He, Christ is beyond space. Christ is beyond time. Christ, I would say Christ is beyond gender. That's what I would say to Father Rohr, but because uh, he keeps using the word he, Christ includes all of the spiritual and physical world reconciled to God's self. These cosmic implications are named in our scripture passage in the book of implications. Did you hear all of that? In a, in a hymn-like prose, we hear the author say that Christ has preeminence over all the creative order. Well, if it was just Jesus, we would say, but Jesus wasn't there at the beginning of time right? But Christ was. Do you get the difference? Christ has preeminence over all of created order. Christ has authority over the church. Christ's prime function, this is key, is to reconcile all creation to God's self. To reconcile. This this idea, I have to admit, y'all, it's so big, it's kind of hard for me to grasp. Like, I just want to pause and say, whoo, my head's spinning, right? It's huge. And what I get now about who Christ is, is I, I ha maybe have a slightly bigger picture or understanding than I did five years ago. And I'm hoping five years from now, I'll have maybe even a bigger glimpse of who Christ is. So I say, like, wherever you are on the journey is where you need to be. And it's okay if you're like, Brittany is talking like, woohoo. That's okay. One day you might look back and say, oh, I kind of get this Christ thing. That, that's what the journey of faith is about, right? We, we, we move forward slowly but surely. Anybody have Christ all figured out? No, I just I was gonna seek some pointers if anybody did, right? That's that's how this is. It's a journey. So because this idea of Christ is so big and our scripture passage is so powerful about naming who Christ is and what Christ does, I wanna I wanna start instead from us. 
from our perspective instead of God's perspective, because sometimes that's really too hard to understand. So as Christians, as Christ followers, we uh, get to live in our bodies and we get to make up what we call the church. And what's another name for the church? The body of Christ. In our scripture passage reminds us that Christ is the head of the church. So I'm not talking about just like y'all gathered here to, today being the body of Christ. I'm talking about the big church. The church universal. Christ is the head of the church universal. And so we, in our human bodies, just like Jesus with human bodies, get to come together and be part of this gift of the risen Christ, which is the body of Christ gathered here. And we get this gift from the risen Jesus Christ. So do you all remember that story back in the book of John? It's at the very end. Uh, Jesus died, was buried. The women came to prepare his tomb on the third day. You know, the Easter story, right? And um, uh, he's not there. And then Mary sees a gardener and says, hey, where did you lay him? And then she realizes the gardener is the risen Christ, but she doesn't recognize him because he doesn't look like Jesus. And then when she realizes he's the risen Christ, she, she tries to cling to him, and he says, don't hold on to me. Go and tell everyone what you've seen, what you've witnessed. And so she does, and the response of the disciples was to lock themselves in a room and hide. That'd be my response, too. I'm going to be honest, right? I mean, really, right? You're... The person you thought was the Messiah died and was risen, of course you would hide. <laughs> um, and despite the locked doors, Jesus comes into the room, and the first thing he says to everyone who is full of fear and grief is, peace be with you. Y'all, that's why we pass the peace every week to be reminded that we're part of the body of Christ and that the spirit of, of Christ is in each of us and we see it. So he says, peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and side to show that he is Christ. And then probably because they need it again, he, he wishes them again, peace be with you. And then he does this really strange thing. He breathes into them, the scripture says, and says, I give you the, the uh, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. And then he talks about reconciliation, because what is reconciliation? It's when there is mutual forgiveness and people can come back together, right? He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. So in this experience, Jesus shows us, this, Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, shows us what it means to be part of the body of Christ. It is to live in our human bodies and reach out in forgiveness and reconciliation toward others. 
And this gift continues in each of us. This is not something that just historically happened in Scripture and we say, okay, that was fine for them. It is in each of us in our baptism. Do you all remember Easter? Chen was baptized, Millie was baptized, and what do we do? We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They came out of the water. We prayed a prayer for them, saying, may you be a faithful follower and disciple of Jesus. May you live in your body as Jesus did. And then Jarrell took oil and put oil on their foreheads, which is a seal of the Holy Spirit, and said, may the Holy Spirit live within you as part of the body of Christ. So in our baptism, we are, we are welcomed into this thing called the body of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, our mission as we live like Jesus is to be agents of peace and reconciliation. And that is like super good news and also super hard bad news. It's super good news because, of course, when we reconcile, new life comes out of that. But it's super hard and bad because it means that the body of Christ lives in each of you here, and it also lives in your neighbors, and it also lives in your enemies. And sometimes we would rather think that the body of Christ is only in the people whose side we're on. Right? I'm part of the body of Christ. But that person, all the Congress people who claim to be Christian that didn't pass the, that, that are trying to cancel the Affordable Care Act, they're not part of the body of Christ. Well, guess what? They are. So what does it mean to be agents of reconciliation and peace? How do we live in our human bodies as part of this big body of Christ? Because the book of Colossians, just a little bit later on, says there is only Christ, and he is in everything and is everything. We read that in chapter 3 of Colossians. God is in all things. God is in you the body of Christ, the Christ is in you, and you, and you, and you, and in that person that cut you off on traffic on your way here, and on the people that have done even more egregious things. The body of Christ is in all of us. So I, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I have had the opportunity to witness two Stories that have profoundly affected me about what it means to be part of the body of Christ and be an agent of peace and reconciliation. So I'm going to share both of those with you. One is about a country and one is about a person. For the country, so I've got a video, I hope, but don't play it yet. So for the country, many of you all know that um, I went to Seoul a couple of weeks ago, uh, flew into Incheon and stayed in Bupyeon and and traveled, we, we were at a variety of, of uh, churches to, to see how God is moving in the country of Korea and um, just the vibrancy of Christianity in Korea is overwhelming. Lots of stories to tell. I'm only going to tell one today because I don't want to be here forever. The story that was probably the most overwhelming for me 
um, and powerful was uh, the story about, uh, was our visit to Dorsen Station. And just a quick history lesson. Um, you know, there was a Korean War, and at the end of the war, a line was drawn between North and South Korea uh, as a boundary, and a couple kilometers on each side of that um, is um, a neutral territory. So it's not North Korea, it's not South Korea, it's um, international peace area. They call it the demilitarized zone. Now I will say it's really interesting for it being a demilitarized area how much military was present, but that's um, a whole other thing. So we uh, went to the first uh, stop and um, you know, when we're driving, you can see like North Korea from the, um, we were in South Korea. Uh, you could see North Korea from like across the way. And um, so we're at one stop and then we go to another and then we go to another. And we stopped at this place called the Dorsen Station. And the, back in uh, the early 2000s, there was some conversation between North and South Korea about the possibility of, of um, peace and with the hope of reunification of the country in one time, at one time. Uh, and in response, so I, I had never thought about this. This is my just like being rooted in American and not thinking about international stuff. So I, I admit that sin. Um, I had never thought about this, but Korea, South Korea is, is, is really like cut off from the, west of the rest of the world in terms of land because North Korea, even though they're connected to Asia, they can't go through North Korea to get there by land. So the only way to leave South Korea is by boat or plane. And so this station was built in the DMZ, um, and it was, the vision was that it could be the beginning of the transcontinental railway. That you could essentially get on a train in this station and travel through Korea and China, and you could go all the way to, if you took the channel, all the way to England. And that this station could be the starting point for that. And so they built this beautiful state-of-the-art station with a customs area and a food area and nice seating with the hope that one day South and North Korea would be reconciled, that there would be reunification. So uh, I've got the video. Are you all able to play that? Can you do the sound? Okay. There's a sign that says, not the last station from the north, but the first from the south. That they could be the first station from the south. So here is this beautiful, all the people you see are from my tour group. Because the trains go nowhere right now. So here is this beautiful, beautiful, with artwork, empty station waiting for reunification, waiting and hoping for reconciliation. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. To offer yourself in, in foolish ways. Look, think about all the money, because money is what talks. Think about all the money they wasted 
Because I look at it from an outside perspective, and I'm like, that, they're never going to reunite. There's too much stuff going on. But this is what hope looks like. This is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. It is um, knowing that when one person is grieving, all of us are grieving. That when one person is in pain or cut off, all of us are in pain and cut off. It's also knowing that one of us celebrates. All of us celebrate. And when one of us is feeling joy, it's contagious. It's, it's what we do when we baptize babies. We say, you are now part of the body of Christ, and we will choose to care for you as our very own. You see what it means to be part of the body of Christ? So here's another story. Um, you heard me talk just a little bit about uh, Bishop Karen Olivito last week before communion. In case you weren't here, let me just kind of catch you up. Um, last July, uh, Bishop Karen Olivito was elected to the office of bishop. Um, and she was elected, the, the western half of the United States called the jurisdiction elected her, and they did it knowing that they were openly defying church law that says you can't be gay and married at the same time and be a pastor, much less a bishop. They elected her, and another part of the United Methodist Church in the south central area said, no, you can't do that. Um, and so file, uh, charges were filed against um, the body, one body of Christ filed charges against another body of Christ and said, you can't do this. And so we have something called the Judicial Council that rules on, that um, examines and rules sort of like a Supreme Court. And they um, examined it a couple of weeks ago and their decision was yes, Bishop Alavedo was elected um, and it, it's in defiance of church law. Um, and, and as I shared last week, um, they, they said the jurisdiction will handle it because that's who handles it, the western half. And I have no doubt that, that um, she will continue to be bishop. Um, because they did it on purpose because they were making a statement and she's a wonderful child of God that has so many gifts that she's a great bishop. But what was overwhelming to me is that in the midst of this trial, one body of Christ against another body of Christ, Bishop Karen, can I tell the whole story or are you going to tell it? <laughs> well, I only saw a picture and Preston told me more. I'll let him tell you more. I saw this picture on Facebook, and it's a picture, you, you can show it, um, of Bishop Karen reaching across, and she is shaking hands with the woman who filed charges against her. And behind her, she shook hands with him too, is the man who was like the lawyer who did the legal arguments against her. And she is quoted as saying, the Jesus I follow, the body of Jesus, the person of Jesus, everything that he does in the gospel, right? The Jesus that I follow calls me to be in relationship with all people. 
There is no other side. We are one in Christ. I wanted to reach out in Christian love. If we don't build bridges with each other as the church of Jesus Christ, are we really being the body of Christ? And so she reached out and shook hands with her persecutors. Because Bishop Karen has done a lot of work. This is not something that like a new Christian could probably do very easily. This is someone who has spent a lifetime growing deeper in her relationship with Christ so that she could stand and face her persecutors like Jesus did. Being part of the body of Christ, living in our bodies, means that we earn, are allowed, are impelled to be agents of peace and reconciliation in this world. It means that when we look at another person, we don't look at them and dehumanize them. We see them as someone with the spirit of Christ in them, just like it's in us. Because the body of Christ isn't something over here or over there or, you know, it's not some big thing that we can't figure out. It's right here. It's in you, Bree. It's in you, Cece. It's in you, Melissa. It's in you, Tyler. The body of Christ is in us and compels us to something so much bigger and more than we can possibly imagine. Amen.